Hello, my name is Calvin Mitchell, uh, Laurel Church of Christ, and we are doing a Bible study in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 uh, is a very, very interesting uh, passage. Um, here, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, uh, and for the first five um, le- uh, chapters, he has really been discussing issues uh, that were happening in the church. And these issues were causing division, were causing jealousy, were causing strife, and really turning the church upside down. So Paul uh, was told these things we find in First First uh, Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, and, uh, and from this, uh, we know that uh, he is addressing uh, some of the things that were told to him by the house of Chloe. For those in the house of Chloe, and we understand that uh, he is now uh, looking at yet another issue that was happening uh, in the church. Uh, so, uh, some of the objectives for our lesson today is to learn how uh, brethren in the in the in Christ should settle their differences. How should we settle differences? Uh, do we should we be taking the, each other to court? Uh, should we be, uh, how does that work? What, what does the Bible say about that? Um, another uh, objective is to talk about the power of the gospel to transform the, tra- transform the lives of people. Uh, how, how does a gospel, uh, how do I look as a different person who's been transformed um, uh, by the gospel? What does that look like? And uh, the the thirdly uh, is to appreciate the per, the proper use of our bodies in the service to God, appreciate the proper service, uh, the proper use of our bodies in service to God. Uh, so so now that I'm a new now that I'm a, a, a follower of Jesus, uh, now that I'm a new convert, uh, what is how what is, how is my conduct? How should I act? How should I function? Uh, and so something uh, that's interesting here is that uh, Paul is talking directly to the church, the church in, in Corinth. And uh, here they're, they're really focused in on uh, their, their conduct and how they should be acting and how they should present themselves. Paul continues with a systematic, systematically deal with sin in the church. Uh, having seen that the brethren, the brethren at Corinth were uh, filled with strife and envy and division we saw that in uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 11, and uh, chapter 3, verse 3. And this description of them being puffed up, um, ha- being arrogance, right? And I think that's a, that is a, a typical human emotion that, that, that we all could struggle with, uh, even those in the church. Uh, and that's uh, chapter 4, uh, verse uh, 6 and 18. Uh, chapter 4, verses 6 and 18. <clears throat> the Corinthians were guilty of of tolerating uh, sinful sin within the church and dealing with sinful men uh, without any regard to to say anything or to speak up, uh, and 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 not only that they were all they were glorifying in it they were they were boasting uh, in in. In, the, in such a way that that was really brought a lot of shame on the church. First Corinthians chapter five uh, really talks about how uh, there was a sin that a man was was caught in 
that wasn't even mentioned amongst the, the pagans, the, the unbelievers. Can you imagine uh, someone in the church uh, who was involved in a sin that even people who are non-believers wouldn't do? Uh, just, just really, really bad stuff. Uh, and Paul uh, addressed it um, and, and really talked about how, how uh, we as Christians should conduct ourselves. Uh, and so here in uh, chapter 6, uh, there's really two main focuses, two main focuses of of this of this um, of this chapter. The first one being the Corinthian Christian, the Corinthian Christians were taking each other to human court, and Paul's going to rebuke that taking taking each other Christians taking each other's taking each other to Christian court, and and Paul rebuking that. Secondly, uh, exposes the sin of fornication exposes the sin of fornication that existed amongst the brethren. Um, and so those were the two main subjects uh, for, for the lesson. And so uh, if the, the, main, the main two sections that I have for my outline is taking brother, taking brother into court, and that's verses 1 through 11. Uh, and really what happens is through a series of questions, uh, Paul is 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 really um, examining them uh, through a line of questions. If you almost think of how a, how a uh, a an attorney uh, in some of these crime shows might cross examine a witness, right? And so the 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 answer is 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 there already, right? And it's obvious, but you're you're not really asking the question to get the obvious answer. It's more of a reflection for. Uh, the audience to to know that hey you, you know you know you're right you're the, these questions are really piercing me in such a way where I know that what I'm doing is wrong and I, hey you know what I understand you're you're really highlighting and exposing uh, some of the things that I'm doing wrong and really see, helping them to see the folly and and what and what the in their line of thinking. And second, that second point, uh, section, the second uh, major section is glorifying God with your body, uh, verses twelve through twenty. Glorifying God with your body, twelve through twenty. Um, dealing with uh, the the immorality um, that was in the church and what is really acceptable behavior. Uh, dealing with immorality and and what is really acceptable behavior. And we had talked about in previous lessons how uh, Corinth was a um, was a was a port city, right? A city that is, that was located in such a way where people were coming in and out, um, and it was full with different cultures, uh, full with people from different places. And we said that there was a lot of um, um, paganism, uh, and there was uh, worship uh, to gods, lowercase g. Uh, and uh, we, we even had some descriptions of, of some of the, the type of worship that was happening. And, in, and a lot of times uh, when we hear about Corinth, um, we, we know that there was a, it was a wicked city. Uh, there's no any other way to say it. Uh, and because it was a wicked city, we know the people uh, of that city uh, were, were known to be barbaric, were known to be uh, people who were just involved in a lot of wicked behavior, and as such, um, some of that stuff had bleeded into or had um, infiltrated the church, right? Which is which is 
which is not uncommon, right? So if I were if I were coming out of the world, uh, if I were coming out um, of the world and, and becoming a Christian, and uh, really and really seeking to um, follow Christ, there was a life that I left behind, right? There was something that I had to repent of to turn to Christ. And so some of these things that were happening in the, in the city of Corinth, these people were a part of. These people were engaged in. These people were, uh, are de- were definitely immersed in this culture. And so we, we see some of these things being revealed. So let's uh, start our study and look at um, chapter 1, uh, 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 verse 1. We're looking at verse 1. We're looking at verse 1. Uh, and it says, uh, the first section is Paul's rebuke of the practice of taking brother into court. <clears throat> when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare to go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not, or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to judge you, are you incompetent? to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why don't you lay them before those who have, why would you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. It can, it, uh, be that uh, there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between brothers. But brothers go against, uh, uh, but brothers goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? Question mark. So uh, dare to take uh, personal problems to be decided upon the unrighteous. It's really clear uh, what Paul is saying here. He's saying. Hey, why would we take church business? Why would we take um, church matters? Why would we take um, disputes amongst ourselves to people who are unbelievers? That's essentially what, what Paul is saying here. And why would he say that? Why, why, why would I, as a Christian, take another brother to uh, a court where the judge, the jury could possibly be unbelievers. There's so many different reasons why this why this could be problematic, and we're going to unpack that uh, a little bit later uh, in the passage. But it's but that idea of dare is really strong language. Paul can't believe that Christians are doing this and having the having a matter against another. Um, it's apparent that uh, some Christians believe. Uh, that that they had been wrong and they had sought justice in local courts. And so this is what makes it even more interesting um, is because when we take matters um, out of ourselves and we put them into the courts, a couple things can happen. And uh, one of which is exposure, right? Uh, and this is one of the things that, that, that Paul is alluding to. So here's the here's what's interesting. So, um, the local judge that that local judge um, is, is what's known as the the bema seat. 
uh, and that was a civil magistrate located in the heart of the marketplace. And uh, if you can imagine, and I'll try to try to illustrate it for you, it's a marble. It's a marble um, structure uh, that's ra- that's raised from the ground, um, and it's 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 it would it would be like a platform if you if you can think of a platform, and uh, if you remember how uh, maybe like in a town square, uh, somebody might be making an announcement and they're raised a little bit above the others. Uh, this is how the Burma the the, the bima seat. Uh, was known and it sat right in the middle of the marketplace so you can imagine um, any um, issues that you have would no longer be private right Uh, now these matters are public and it's kind of interesting because in in some research it appears that the greek culture found a good legal battle is entertaining right so you would actually have people who uh, were uh, maybe walking by and people would gather around to, to hear some of these legal cases uh, for, inter- for purely entertainment purposes. Uh, and so if you think about it in the context, and if you think two Christians are, are here uh, in a court of, of uh, non-believers, uh, and not only that, uh, others are looking and, and, and possibly ridiculing and taking entertainment in the quarrels of two Christians. Uh, now, if you frame it that way, you can see how uh, Paul would be disgusted and discouraged, quite frankly, uh, by that behavior. But you know what's kind of interesting, right? Uh, American culture is not that different, right? If you think about a lot of our shows, so I, I've been teleworking, um, I thank the Lord, uh, because uh, because I'm able to, to be home with the family and, and to be able to, to really enjoy them and, and devote some time. Uh, while I'm still able to to earn a paycheck for the family, uh, so sometimes I flip the TV on, uh, and it, there's probably it's got to be at least twenty twenty five different legal shows, uh, uh, judge shows where for entertainment you're watching these cases and you're watching uh, these people's issues being played out um, before a judge. Uh, and so it's kind of interesting that even today we still find some entertainment and lawsuits and 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 uh, and some of these and some of these types of things. And it says that the saints will judge the world. And so you might be thinking, hey, well, I thought I thought Christians aren't supposed to judge. You know what? Well, we can judge righteous, righteous judgment. Uh, and, ju- and and judgment is really or this or this idea of judge is a standard or a means of judging with a criteria. A court of justice, or of a cause or controversy, saints are called to be uh, to be um, to be to bear uh, witness or to to bear to bear the the, the truth. Uh, and when when I think about this, immediately think about John fourteen, uh, John fourteen, John fourteen, John fourteen verse six. Uh, where Jesus says that Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we know that Jesus is the truth. And so as Christians, we are supposed to be the standard bearers of of truth. So if we are the standard bearers of truth, my brothers, my sisters, we should be able to 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 handle these types of um, things that might come up. Something else in verse three uh, that that the saints will judge the, an, the the angels. Uh, 
this is this is amazing to me. Uh, the fact that uh, at one at one at some point I will be judging angels. Uh, at some point I'll be raised to a place where I, I'll, I'll be able to have that kind of judgment. Um, but the 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 point is this: uh, if you can judge angels, uh, if we can judge each other, why aren't we handling these issues uh, before before each other? Why would we need to go? Uh, outside uh, to people who don't have this type of um, of clout uh, to to make decisions uh, in a court of law. And verses uh, four and five, uh, there's more questions about rebuke and more. Um, so we see here: uh, Do they uh, seek advice for those uh, esteemed? Uh, so verse four. So if if you have such cases, so why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? So precisely. So if we if if we have uh, for the standard bearers, uh, bearers of, of of truth, why would we lay that at the feet of people who do do not believe uh, and who aren't who aren't uh, following this Jesus who we know is the way and the truth and the light? Um. Why do we seek? Why would we seek their their advice? Um, and as we move on a little bit, um, he he basically says that it's shameful uh, that that they're even considering this. In in uh, verse uh, five, I say this to your shame: Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle disputes amongst brothers? But a brother goes to law against a brother, and before unbeliever. And so, uh, so there it is. <clears throat> it's shameful uh, for us to even engage in this type of, of behavior. So then from 7 to 11, um, we see uh, further comments to sooner law- lawsuits against brothers. Uh, and so uh, verse 7, to have a lawsuit at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why do you... Uh, why not rather be defrauded, but you yourself wrong and defraud even your own brothers? Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexual immorality, sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor rivalers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So there's a lot to unpack here, but we're gonna we're gonna go through it. So uh, Paul um in verses seven through eight says something that's kind of interesting. And so that that's part of that's part of the the, the problem with going outside and going to unbelievers. Um, so if you have a lawsuit with one another, you have already de- you you have uh, another has already defeated you. Um, and why is that? Uh, because you shouldn't be going in the first place, right? You shouldn't be going uh, to the law. And so, uh, and so, if we're going outside, uh, Paul is basically saying you you've already uh, you've already lost. Um, uh, and it's interesting the, the term here, uh, defraud is being used and really is means to, to rob or, uh, or to defraud one from a thing. Uh, uh, so it, it's interesting, 
um, that this same thought here uh, is what we see in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, where Jesus talk, tells us to turn the other cheek um, and to, to go that extra mile. Uh, and th- that's part of the issue, right? So if we're having a civil matter between two brothers, if there's a matter between two brothers and I'm taking it to a court, where is the mercy? Where is the love? Where is uh, the long suffering? Where is me turning the other cheek? Where is me going the extra mile? Where uh, am I giving my clothes? Where is that grace? Where is that mercy? The, que- that, that, the answer to that question is it wouldn't exist. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, why, why are we going out to, the, to the, um, the court of the unbelievers, making a fool of ourselves? where we can settle disputes amongst us. There's got to be within the church full of people who are loving, who are gentle, who are kind, who are, who are encouraging. And trust me, if somebody is already, the, the, is, is already um, doing these things, they've lost already because they're, they, they're already bad news. Uh, and they, they just need to repent of those things, right? Uh, but but, that's, but that's, what, that's what's being said here. And so... The two major issues are, hey, it, well, the first one being if you ha- if having brothers judge, and two is is willing to be merciful, uh, and to do and to do and for and f- to be merciful and to do what's right and not to do what's wrong, right? And so uh, verses nine and ten is interesting. There's a, war- a reminder and a warning, uh, and that that reminder and that warning is this. Uh, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so if the righteous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, why are we worried? Why are we making, why is it so important that we got to bring people before the courts? God's going to judge them anyway, right? So that little measly penny or penance or whatever that might be that you're seeking to get, uh, that you can't, that you can't do without, it's, it's, it's really fuel. It's really, it's really minuscule, uh, in the grander scheme of things. Uh, and then there's no gain, there's no, um, gain for the, for the unrighteous, uh, and the righteous, uh, whether they might, you might think that they might be gaining at the end, they, they, they don't. Uh, and, and this is what, what is really, was really bringing, uh, really being brought out here. And what we see here, um, there's a long, a long, large laundry list um, of these folks who will not inherit the kingdom. Um, that sexual immoral, mor- uh, and sexual immoral, uh, the idolaters, the adulterers, those who practice homosexuality, those who are thieves, those who are greedy, those who are drunk of. So all these people will will uh, will, will not uh, will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, but. But I love the silver lining in this because it talks about the thieves, the greedy, the drunkards, the revelers, the swindlers will will uh, will inherit the kingdom of God. Right. And verse 11 says. And such were some of you. Man, isn't it hard to believe that in the church we have people who used to be um, engaged in homosexuality or that believe that in the church that people who used to be drunks, winos, you just think people who are just we we might see them on the street and we just like hey you know what they have no 
there's no Christ in them, right? And I know, yeah, that's that's a horrible judgment to make upon someone. But just think, swindlers. We look at, we see people who uh, do bad things that get take people's money. Uh, people who are idolaters, people who are adulterers. You think of people who, you know, cheat on their wives multiple times. Uh, people who are, uh, who are, who are doing all these uh, things. But think about the sexual morality, sexual morality. People who are just, you know, doing all these really uh, wicked things, and these are people who are sitting in the church, who are in literally sitting in the church building, right, or sitting in the church assembly. And these people are now Christians, but they used to do that stuff. They used to do that stuff. And so what I think Paul is saying is, hey, you know what? We all used to be something at some point. Some of that that, that that we used to be was pretty wicked. But you know what? We're not that anymore. You know why? Because we were washed and we were sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Amen. And thank you, Lord, for giving us that opportunity. Church people were sinners. See, we were there were sins that we had that had to be washed away. And that's what Paul's point is. So, you know what? So what? Yeah, yeah, you, you, you get beat out of a couple dollars. So what if uh, a brother might have did you wrong? Don't bring him in front of the court. Because now you have the, the ability to show that mercy. You have the ability to show uh, that grace, you have the ability to, to show that love. You have the ability to show that long suffering. And you know what? You were like that at one time. You used to be that. Maybe not that same thing, but you had a transgression that kept you away from God. But you know what? You were sanctified. You were justified. You were reconciled with Christ. And now we're new people. So let's move on. Let's move on. So uh, so in verse 12, we're moving on. Uh, we see a change in the discussion. Uh, so now uh, we're, we're switching over to uh, glorifying your body. Verses 12 through 20. Instructions for, um, for sexual purity. Is is how I is how I uh, is how I, I capture that. So let's look at verse fourteen through twelve. Uh, verse twelve through fourteen. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not the body is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise you up by his power. All right. Uh, so not everything. So we, we always as Christians appreciate this idea that we have this this um, this law of grace. Right. This this free will. Right. We're not under bondage. We're, we're not a slave to Christ. We're a servant of Christ. Right. There's this idea of free will, but not everything under free will is good for us. It's helpful for us. Uh, and, and that's what we see here. 
uh, for, for both, both First Corinthians 5 and 6 both deal with sexual uh, uh, misconduct in the church. Uh, and then we also see here in verse 13, oh, but uh, before I go too far, uh, I probably should, should um, th- th- that last part of verse 12 says, but I will not be dominated by anything. So we have free will, uh, but you have to be careful in that free will because there is things that we can engage in that can dominate us. And once it dominates us, then we become slaves to sin. You see the point? So then this conversation of food comes up. So the so our stomachs need food, right? Uh, food is meant for the stomach, and, and it's good for us, right? I enjoy it. If you know what I look like, you know I enjoy the food. Uh, but um, both food and the stomach will be destroyed. God will destroy them both, right? Now, the discussion is now switching over to the body. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So here's something that's interesting. It appears that people might say, you know what? And we've heard that you, you've probably heard this term before that people have a sexual appetite, right? And, and really what they're saying is, Hey, you know what? This idea of sexuality and, and that I, 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 I need this. And this is something that, that I need just like I need food. Well, Paul is really rebuking this and saying that, that that's not the case, right? Uh, and we know the marriage bed is undefiled, and we know that's not what this is talking about. It's not talking about sex, period. It's talking about sexual immorality. So this is a, this is the, the, so the, if you have an appetite for sex for your wife, that's great. But if it's, you have an appetite for sex for, for someone who's not your wife, this is where the problem uh, is, 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 is happening here. And this is where it's, it really becomes an issue. And it comes back to our bodies are meant for the Lord and God raised the Lord and will also raise up, uh, and will also raise us up by his power. So we got to realize that our bodies are meant for God. And when you think about it that way, it puts a different spin on it. And so we're going to go into this a little a little deeper um, because um, we see that this 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 similar thought played out um, even more. Uh, But I want to look at Romans chapter 12 verses one and two, because a similar thought is going to be had here. It's going to be it's going to it's going to bear out. So uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I appeal to, to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that the testing may discern what is the will of God and what is perfect and acceptable which is acceptable and perfect, acceptable and perfect. So here we see this whole concept of our bodies are designed to be used in a certain way. So we also know that there's a certain way they should be used. Uh, so we're going to go on to uh, verse 15. First Corinthians chapter six, verse six, uh, six 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse uh, 15 says, Do you not know that your bodies are a member of members of Christ? So when you think of members, it just really means a part of Christ, right? Uh, shall I then take a members take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body. But sexual immorality, uh, a sexual immoral person, sins against his own body. So let's, let's do some unpacking there. Our bodies are, a member, are members of Christ and not a harlot. It goes back to uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If we see our bodies as belonging to God, we see our bodies as being uh, vessels for God. If we see our bodies as being uh, used for God, living sacrifices for God, uh, if we see our bodies in that way, then the way we use our bodies is, is different, right? Now, there was a painting uh, years ago of Christ, uh, and the uh, artist had really did some really um, wicked things uh, to the painting and what he called um, artistic expression. And people were outraged, I mean, because what he did with the, with the painting of Christ was very vulgar. Uh, and it, 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 this is what this reminded me of, right? So in my life, there were times where I used my body in an inappropriate way, even though I knew my body belonged to Christ, belonged to the Lord. I did something vulgar with the body that Christ gave me. I should have been just as repulsed with myself and even just as disgusted with myself as I would have been with that guy and his painting and those vulgar things. Uh, but I didn't see it that way, but I should, because in reality, that's exactly what Paul is saying right here, is that I should not have defiled myself with someone who wasn't my wife. And by doing that, I stand in jeopardy of making uh, a vulgar, a vulgar uh, or, or to desecrate um, the body in which uh, Christ um, now reigns in, right? The spirit reigns in me, right? Uh, God's love reigns in me. And yet I turn around and abuse it. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. And that's, what, that's what's being said here. So uh, in verse 17... In verse 17, we see here, um, but he who is joined to the Lord is becomes one spirit with him. Uh, and so it's, it's interesting because we see that same thought. If you remember back uh, in Genesis chapter 39, verses 7 through 21, uh, Joseph uh, flees uh, Potiphar's wife, right? He doesn't stick around uh, and says, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, I, I know I can withstand this. No, he flees. He leaves. 
quickly in a hurry. Uh, so much so he left his garments behind, right? But do we do that when we get in situations of temptations? Or do we see how far it can go? Uh, because we shouldn't. We should flee. We should go. We should get out of there. Verses 19 uh, and 20. Uh, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were brought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Uh, your body is a temple. Uh, so they would recognize a temple to be a holy place. Uh, and the temple uh, at that time would be have recognized as a place where you would go to experience God, a place you would go to be in the presence of God. So now that our bodies are being described as a place to experience God, a place where God lives, a place where God resides, would you really use your body in a way that would not glorify God or that would desecrate God, right? Like we would never think about someone doing some some kind of sexual immorality, uh, sex, uh, some kind of a sexual act uh, in a church building. Why? Because we see that as a place uh, where worship happens, right? Where God, where the presence of God happens. But we temp- typically don't look at our bodies the same way, right? So we don't look at our bodies as something where God is reigning inside and where Christ is is uh, is emboldened as live, right? But we understand that people look at us and can see Christ living in us, right? And we can understand that the Holy Spirit is indwelled in us. It really helps to think about how we use our bodies and how we should uh, use our bodies in a way um, that is not only respectful uh, of the of the sacrifices that were made for us, but respectful for the God that resides in us. Um, and then sexual uh, sexual immorality um, pollutes the temple, uh, and we see that in First um, Corinthians. Uh, chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, and our bodies, in verse 19 and 20, were bought with a price. Uh, and God should God should not be polluted. God can't be polluted because God uh, is pure. Uh, God is the truth. Uh, and so if we are using our bodies in that way, we are really saying, hey, you know, God is, God, we almost, it's almost like, hey, I know you bought me with a price, uh, but I'm not thankful for that. Uh, I, I'm I'm not responsible uh, in a way that I should be responsible for that, and because of that, um, it's really wasteful. Uh, it's really uh, us being wasteful uh, with all the the beauty, uh, all the treasures that were insta- that were um, given to us through Christ Jesus, and for that we really need to be mindful. Of, of how we use our bodies or how we misuse our bodies, recognizing that they are a temple uh, and where the temple we recognize is the presence of God and where God lives. And so Paul is really speaking, is really, um, is really uh, appealing to the, the church at Corinth that sexual immorality is really dangerous on, on many fronts. But the biggest, um, the biggest way that it, that it's really dangerous is because it can separate them from God, 
and it's not the way that God had designed uh, their bodies. Uh, and these appetites that they think that they might have can be suppressed uh, because what the appetite they should have is the desire after the service of God and the, deserve, the, the, the desire to be like Christ and to love like God and to, and to, to have that patience and to have the long-suffering and to have that will. And so that is the study in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us and have a great day in the Lord.